Welcome to the Hyperfast Show. On this episode, I sat down with an amazing woman, a superwoman who moved across the country, went through a period of homelessness, and now is managing over 200 doors and teaching other people how to do it. Welcome to the show, Vicki Scatini. Welcome to the show today, Vicki. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Great. Well, uh, why don't you tell the listeners where uh, you're calling in from and uh, just a little bit of your, your background before we dive into the really cool lessons that I know you're going to be able to teach our, our audience today. The, the really good stuff. Well, right now I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm originally from Southern California. And, um, you know, when my daughter went off to school, I'm one of those people that didn't believe in the empty nest syndrome. Like when people talk about it, I said in my mind, I didn't tell them, get over it kind of thing. Well, until it happened to me and I was beyond miserable. So at that time I had started doing some flips in California, but really the margin was just getting smaller and smaller with all the competition. And it really, I was working from flip to flip. I was really not making any money. So I decided to move closer to my daughter and I researched the markets around because I wanted to give her her space. So for what I had saved up, it seemed to be Jackson, Mississippi. I could get the best price, the best returns and for what I could actually afford. So at that time, I decided in two weeks I was going to be on the road to I am so sorry they just walked in. (laughs) Uh, So I was going to be on the road to Jackson, Mississippi. I literally, I was on a very limited budget and everything that could have happened to me on the way here happened. But I had set up this investor was going to owner finance me a house when I got here. And we talked so much. Like I literally thought she was going to be my new best friend. Um, Until I crossed state line. When I crossed state line, she disappeared. She disappeared would not call me back, would not return my text, nothing. And because of all the issues I had on the way here and I was very limited on on funds, I had to go and I I spent that, I stayed at an okay motel, but because I was thinking maybe she draw, you know, ran out, her phone ran out of batteries. Then I thought this crazy idea that she dropped her phone in the toilet and she was sitting in on rice, all this stupid stuff. The next day I realized this lady is not calling me back. So now what do I do? Cause I, I'm, I'm at the point that I have enough to go back home, but I didn't want to go back home. I was, mind you, I was gung ho. I was going to be wealthy. I was going to build it here. So I go and I stay at this horrific motel and as you know, I paid for the week, and as I'm trying to go through the doors, I hear somebody say something about bed bugs. Now, mind you, I didn't even know what bed bugs were. 
So something in my head told me to Google it. I Google it and I go check. Oh my gosh, that place was infested with bed bugs. And the graffiti was on the mirrors. I mean, it was bottom of the pit. <laughs> so I had this clever idea to stay in the back of my car. And I can't tell you from that morning, being so excited that I was gonna be a billionaire to that night sleeping in the back of my car. As you can imagine, depression sinked in and I started doing nothing. I had completely wrong mindset. I was in a pity me party. And there was a one night that it was just, uh, I heard a fight outside. I was already sleeping in the back seat. And I went to look, cause I was nosy. I went to look and the next thing I hear is gunshots. So Ooh, I thought, nice. <clears throat> I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die here. Nobody knows where I'm at. And it was just a really, really bad night. So the next morning is when I realized I've been in a pity me party and nobody's joining. And if I don't change my mindset, I will die here. Because by this time, I don't even have money to get back home. So I couldn't, when you're in depression and this kind of mindset, I needed my mojo back, that drive back and I couldn't find it. The only thing that kept coming to my mind is to get a dog. And I researched because I'm very limited on funds. To get a dog, and I you said? found a dog, yes. Okay. That's the only thing. So I found Mr. B for $50 in New Orleans. And oh, by the way, I had a broken tailbone to top it up. So I drove with my truck trailer sitting on that donut. I drove all the way to, uh, to New Orleans. And they tried to give him to me in the dark. And I said, well, can I see him? And... They take me inside and the horrendous, um, this lady had a, a whole bunch of dogs in her one bedroom apartment. He was all matted. So I decided I'm taking him, I'm rescuing him. We drove back and I promised him on the way back that I was gonna make it for us. I changed, like, it, it wasn't like, for me, I, I didn't have a strong why, but when I got him, my why was strong enough. And in three days, not only did I have one, but I had two owner finance deals, people that were willing to um, let me move in. Mind you, I don't have any money by now. I had $478. I paid $50 for Mr. B. I don't have credit because in California, I had lost my job. I'm at my house. I have filed bankruptcy. I have a foreclosure, no job, new in town. So I really had nothing going for me except my good attitude. And that was in December 2014. Three years later is when I was ready to retire. I surpassed my goals. It has been nonstop since that day. And I have over 100 houses, apartments, um, commercial I just didn't give up. I got creative. I networked, and I had the right mindset. Wow, but I that's did. Uh, <clears throat> quite a story. Um, <laughs> how how did you find those oh, finance deals when when all that was going on? Did were you out looking for them or knocking on doors? Or? Yeah, actually, I was because I first started calling agents, and they were all laughing at me, but I didn't care. I had. I had the mindset. So I started looking for empty properties. 
I started looking for um, for sell by owners, and I would literally tell my story to anyone that was willing to help me. And surprisingly enough, those are the people that not everybody's going to help you, but I found two people that were willing to help me, and I got creative for the down payment because I didn't even have a down payment by now. Um, I found two people that they took a chance with me, so. They're out there if you had a down payment and, and they didn't ask for much. You only wanted like 2000 down at that point, but I didn't have that. So I had to get really creative and they gave me the chance. So the trick, it was talking directly to the sellers. When you go through an agent, it was not working because they don't understand what I was trying to do. And I mean, let's realistically, and I'm an agent in California, they need to get paid their commission. So for the seller to get some money plus pay the agent's commission, there's no way I could have made it because I only, I, I didn't have it. So um, I talked directly to the seller and I got creative. I got creative on the down payment. I got creative on, you know, other things like, um, I asked him, what is it that you need for your business? Now, one of them, that was his thing is he liked to create notes. He buy houses and create notes. So I went and found more buyers and I would get paid a commission on it. Um, really just think outside the box, but talking direct to the sellers and being, I was being honest and I was coming up with all the solutions. It would get to the point that I would come up with solutions and they really, really did want to help that they would come up with solutions to what they were willing to agree. And then we just were able to make it. My first 22 deals I did within a year um, that were all very creative. So you did, you did uh, <clears throat> so after those first couple of deals came uh, or you found them, you did another 20 deals that year? I did. I did. And the very first one, you know, I, I'm when, like, when was this? Just so everyone kind of knows the time frame. What do you remember what year this, uh, when I you did started, these deals? I moved into that house December, 2014. So it was in 2015. So it wasn't okay. that long ago. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's what the very first one took me a while because you know, I've always had this fascination for tools and I had, I had inherited my stepdad's tools. So I didn't know anything. I would start selling my stuff during the day on eBay to make a living, to pay food, utilities and that mortgage. And then at night I worked on that first house. Well, Pinterest gave me ideas. YouTube taught me. But what was cool about YouTube was the contractors come up and do some kind of work. They brought up their tools. And I can tell you every tool I had, I didn't know what it was for. I was the type that if you needed a Phillips screwdriver, I would have said, can you bring me the one with the cross? You know, if I didn't have a, a hammer, I'd use my shoe. So I had to learn a lot to fix this house up. And finally I got it fixed. And within four hours it rented and I was making profit 650 a month. Now I know it's not much, but for somebody that's making nothing, that's a lot. Yeah. And that just kind of proved to me that the system worked. I just had to keep duplicating what I did. 
So Mr. B and I just moved from house to house to house until I was able to get somebody to go do the work. And um, is that is that the primary the primary way you acquired them was through seller financing? Yes, that was at the beginning. Yes. And how did how did you go out and find those sellers and? And how, how would someone today that wants to do this, how would they go out and find a seller that wants to do seller financing? Well, one of the things I will say, for if I was going to try to do this in California, it would have been horrendous because it's a hypermarket. So in, in hypermarkets, you probably wouldn't, I mean, can you find them? Yes, but you're doing so much more work to get one deal. And, um, and I work in B and C areas, in the areas like Jackson, Mississippi, Kansas, there's a lot of other uh, states that are not hyper markets, meaning that the prices shoot up and everybody wants to go in California. So you have way too much competition. So on the smaller states where the prices don't shoot up, those are the areas that you need to invest in. If it doesn't work in your backyard, go where it works. There is a way to set up for you to do investments out of state and um, you just have to set it up right. You have to have boots on the ground. You have to have their property management and whatnot. You can even do flips, but it's a lot easier in uh, states where the prices don't shoot up to get the owner financing. It's actually pretty common to do owner financing here. And how are you, are you, are these homes listed in the MLS? Are they on for sale by owner sites, Craigslist? Are you knocking on doors? How, how do you find them? Well, um, no, they're not on MLS. And some of them may be on Zillow. Uh, Craigslist, I would find a lot on Craigslist. And anyone that had uh, homes for sale, for sale by owner, I would call. Because usually... When, when you get a hold of an investor, he's not the only one that's doing this. He's got friends that are investors. So I would call, he might, you know, maybe his houses were out of my range, but I would tell them my story. And then I'd ask if he had anyone. I can't even tell you how many referrals I got. Oh, I, I don't have anything for like that, but call this person. He's got a whole bunch. And then I also look for the lower price homes too, because even after I started making a little bit of money, I could put a down payment, a couple thousand, but uh, I couldn't do the high price homes. I had to still stay the ones under, you know, hundred thousand. So that's ideal where the prices of houses are under a hundred, but the rents are high. So that's where the areas that I stuck in. And if you go and find those kind of areas, it's a lot easier. What, what were the, uh, the sellers that you know that you've done deals with is there anything you noticed about them are they have they been renting for a long time and want to get out of it or have you know are they just not they're tired of keeping up with their home or maybe they want a little bit more price than the market can bear uh, like what's you know what what are kind of a little bit of all of it okay yeah it's a little bit of i mean <clears throat> some of them just didn't want tenants and they wanted to sell you know, they just wanted the, the monthly income, but they didn't want to deal with tenants. So some of them, that was their strategy. I would go to court and also see the, the landlords that were irritated when they lost the case because they weren't prepared right. So then I would talk to those. And those were just, obviously, if they were renting, 
they like the passive income, but they were just irritated because they don't know how to keep paperwork or whatnot. This way, it would still give them the monthly income, but they didn't have to deal with with tenants. Um, so it's really, I would concentrate on their why and I would solve their why and also solved my why because it needed to make sense for me. Now, the other thing that a lot of them would do because some of these people still had loans on there and they were not comfortable passing title over to me. So they would do agreement for deeds. What does that mean is on paper, I own it, but they wouldn't put the title in my name until I paid it off. So, and that was fine with me because in the meantime, think about it. If you put zero money down or, you know, a thousand dollars, I would make that money back in a month, two months. So um, I took the chance and I did it. The other thing too is we are in a tax certificate market. What that means is when people don't pay their taxes, um, investors will go and they buy the tax certificate and they have to hold on to that certificate for, for three years. Now they get 1% a month. So it's 18%, I'm sorry, one and a half percent a month, 18% a year. There's a lot of investors out there. You might wanna look at the tax certificate states that like that 18% interest rate, but um, they don't wanna keep the house. So at the end of the three years, if the current homeowner hadn't paid them, they would now own the house. So I would go after those homeowners, those new um, investors, because I knew they wanted 18%. And the only thing I did is just give them 18% on the note. The prices, I still made money. And I can't tell you how many times people have said, you were paying 18%? Uh, yeah, I was. And that made me $650 a month. Had I done it, I would have missed, missed, missed on that. Now, one is not a big deal, but times 10, times 100, it makes a big difference. So I didn't care what the interest rate was as long as the profit was there. Yeah, the cash flow, profit, both have to be there. What, um, what, how, many, how many do you own now, today? Um, doors, because I have a lot of apartments. I'm probably right under 200. Okay. So in five, five years, uh, you went from two to 200 or, or five, six years. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's mind boggling almost. <laughs> I mean, and keep in mind though, I mean, it was actually less than that because this last year I've been focusing more on teaching other people. I haven't really picked up any deals. And when I decided to, you know, I, I think at the three-year mark, I was going to retire. And then when it came down to reality, I'm like, what am I going to do to retire? So I decided to start going out and teaching other people what I did. But the people that don't, I call it wit, that do whatever it takes and don't give up on themselves. Right. So at that time, I was focusing more on the branding than, than investing so I did not, um, I would probably say in about three years, I did it three and a half years. That's, that's a, that's a pretty big, uh, growth rate to do. And, and, you know, just over three years, 
What what systems or things did you put in place as you scaled that up to manage that? Um, like how do you you, you got to manage two hundred, you know, manage two hundred, you know, people is, is a lot. Two hundred tenants. <laughs> yes, I got help. I got help with the property management. I started doing it myself, and yeah, when I got, I think till about fifty, I wasn't growing. I plateaued, and at first, I tried getting virtual assistants and. Um, I failed horribly because I was so behind that I couldn't grow. I didn't take the time to teach the virtual assistant to help. You know, sometimes you have to take a step back in order to be able to take a step forward. And I didn't do it. So I failed horribly the first time. And probably about six months later, I realized, look, this pile of stuff I have to do is not going down. I am not moving forward nor backwards because I'm tied down with management. I'm tied down with trying to keep up with everything, plus the rehabs. So at that time, I, I got two virtual assistants and they were amazing. I, I still have them. And we started strategizing. You handle this, I handle, you know, we, we organized well, who was handling what. And I think one of the mistakes people do when getting a virtual assistant, they try to give the direction, but they're not, they don't let their, them give their expertise and input. And this is something they always tell me. Well, Vicki, we always did what we were told. We never, nobody asked us to think. I said, okay, but you're very smart. So please think, because I can't think. I'm too tired. Um, so they came up with, so many ideas, websites. I mean, pretty much I owe a lot to them because I would have never been able to do it. But I did have to take a step back in order to get forward because if I didn't train them right and when they made a mistake, I had to stop and not fix it myself because if you fix it, then they're always gonna be making that mistake. I had to stop and go teach them where they messed up so they'll never mess up again. So it was a lot of growing pains because I can't tell you how many nights I slept two to three hours only. If I even slept, it was, I was bombarded. So I kind of plateaued for about six to nine months because I just couldn't keep up. Well, I know, you know, anytime you hire someone it, it, there's typically going to be like an onboarding and training period. So it, it's always something that in the short term maybe slows you down a little bit, but in the long term allows you to scale and do more, yes. which is what you've done. What does the management look like today? Um, realistically, I don't do a whole lot in the investment part right now. Um, my virtuals, they go and they analyze my property. They hired a um, contractor to go and give us bids. So they really do all the research for me. They just tell me when it's time to put money out to buy it. They handle escrows. Uh, property management handles all the other stuff. I mean, I probably do about, you know, we have meetings once a week and we keep on top of it. But the point where we're at, the struggling point now is getting more qualified people with good work ethics to be able to go to the next level because 
with the people I have, they're amazing, but I can't, I haven't been able to find the same type of people. And they've already told me, Vicky, you cannot hire. You are a sucker for hiring people because I hear, I'm very emotional and I hear stuff, story, okay, you're hired. Um, instead of listening to my gut. So I let them do the hiring. We, we just changed that last month. I can't do the hiring. They, they fired me from that. So that's a struggle. It's always finding work, people with work ethics that um, don't need constant supervision. Yeah, you want you want go-getters and people that take initiative and come to you with solutions, not problems. Exactly. Exactly. So what what have you been focusing on? I know you said you built this up in about three and a half years and haven't done a lot of deals lately. What what is your focus on right now? Well, I'm doing more apartments. Um, I'm having, I mean, still sometimes, you know, we do a lot of the houses or we um, have some of our investors start off with houses because I really like apartments. So I'm really have two uh, apartment projects that we're working on. And the rest is I'm, I'm doing, trying to do more of the brand virtually. Cause when I started doing the, the brand and teaching people, it was all live. Well, COVID happened and everything went to virtual. So I'm not a virtual kind of person. I like to be live, get to know people and, and see if we're a good fit. You know, because I'm only one person, so I can't mentor everybody. I only want to mentor the people that uh, are trainable and not going to give up on themselves. So I have to get to know people before pushing forward. So what are you uh, training people on? How to, how to do the single families, how to do the apartments, seller the financing, families. all of it, the, single, the so single, single family focus? Yep, yep. And, and I'm a big... Um, you know, you need to have different baskets. You can do some flips, some wholesaling, but you always need to have your big baskets on rentals and wraps, wraparound mortgages, because those are the ones that you can be in the Bahamas and you're getting paid. What's what's the wraparound mortgage, just in case people out there so uh, this need a is definition like, of that? Yep. So let's say I bought a house with owner financing, and then I turn around and sell it to you for a higher price. And I'm owner financing you. So now I have the existing loan to my seller, but I'm selling it to you higher. So the difference is what I'm charging. At that time, uh, you make me the monthly payments. And then from there, I take my seller, well, the seller's my, my original loan. I pay the seller and I keep the difference. Okay, so you do that every month. Or I guess another option would be, you know, you could take a down payment from them for. And I do, uh, I take a down payment. Yeah. I take a down payment. So I keep the difference. If I came in with, you know, 5,000 and I asked for 10,000 down payment, and then I work on the monthly payments. So if my payments to somebody is 500 and, and my buyers is 700, then I get to keep 200 off of it. It's all okay. about the residual income coming in because one day, you, you know, all of us get sick. One day we all want to go to the Bahamas. So at that time, what are you going to do? Not, not make any money. You still have to make money and you don't want to have to stress for the bills. And 
because I was homeless, I don't want to be homeless again. So I want to make sure that money's always coming in. Yeah, I mean, that, that monthly, consistent monthly revenue and profit, however you bring it in, Yeah, you know, that's, that's really your peace of mind. That's it. That's it. Because then it's a lot easier to make decisions on projects when you're not worried about money. When you're worried about money, you're always going to make the wrong decision because your concentration is on the money. The other thing I always tell people is, I don't care if it's an amazing flip. The numbers are amazing. If this deal will not work as a rental or a wrap, you cannot, I don't take it. Because what if in the middle of it, the market goes down? Now you just lost all your investments. So I'm more about security, making sure it's secured, the investment is secured versus taking the risk and hope that the market doesn't go down. Okay. Uh, I, um, you know, I, I think having, I think like you mentioned earlier, having multiple buckets uh, makes a lot of sense. And if, if a big one can be, you know, get get monthly income rentals wraps however you do it like get enough to to pay for the lifestyle you want and then you know the other stuff is just gravy or legacy building or you know whatever you want to be exactly because then you realize you can do whatever you want you're not worried about your bills so you want to go in a hotel in vegas you can actually do it you know, you just have to come up, be creative how you're going to do it. But you just never, ever give up. You do it, whatever it takes. Well, uh, before we, we wrap up today, I always like to do my hyper fast round. If you're ready for some quick questions and, and quick answers. All right. Now I'm kind of nervous, but I'm excited. All right. Now, everyone, you'll do great. Um, first question. What's your biggest piece of advice to a new real estate investor? Do not think inside the box. You always get creative and think outside the box and do not give up. All right. Great one. Uh, What about an experienced real estate investor? What would you tell them today? Don't ever turn down a deal just because you don't know enough about it. You know, most experienced mm. investors have one way, you know, their, their primary uh, way of investing. And there's always so many other ways to invest. And people tend to be close minded when you don't know enough about uh, a certain way. So before you turn down deals, go and study and see first, just because you don't know enough about that strategy or that basket go and study before you turn it down. That's a great one. Um, I think it's easy to kind of get stuck in our box. So um, yeah, best way to learn is, is to go do something new. Yeah. Um, what's the biggest challenge you've ever had, you know, on a deal or in business and how'd you overcome it or what did you learn from it? I, I mean, mostly for me, at the beginning, it was money because I had nothing, but I got creative and I, I've always been able, it, it's kind of like a parent that is working from paycheck to paycheck and your kid gets in a sport and you have to go buy them uniforms and you don't have this money. You go and you figure out how to get your kids that uniform because your kids aren't going to go without. That's the same thing with real estate. You figure it out. 
So at the beginning, I would have said it was more money until I, I learned how to be, until I opened my mind to be creative. The As I started growing, it was really employees finding those go-getters and, you know, hold people accountable for what they're supposed to be doing. I mean, bottom line, we they just told me last month, I cannot hire because I go off emotions. So instead of going <laughs> off what the papers show. All right. If, uh, when you're not doing deals or teaching other people, training other people, uh, what do you do for fun? You see all these babies walking around <laughs> on top of me? That's That's my fun. I got three up there. I got two on me and one down there. So oh, wow. I love to spend time with my, my babies. It's a lot of dogs. Yeah. And it all started because of Mr. B. Okay. Um, well, and Mr. B, uh, you know, the, the, the newer dogs might, might've only known you when, when things were pretty good, but Mr. B's been there. Uh, it was me and him around. against the world. All right. Last question. Where do you see yourself five years from now? You know, I have this new mi mission too, and that's why I'm really working on getting all the businesses uh, turnkey so I don't have to do them. I am about helping. Being in Jackson, Mississippi, I learned there's some areas where people um, are feel like they're stuck. There's no way, place that they can go and learn about investment. There is, so I want to do more and give back to the community and teach people, whether it's real estate, teach them about investing. So make more of a legacy and um, help back communities. I mean, haven't you heard, you know, these kids that they want to get out of the area because they feel they're not going anywhere. So we have more mentorship and let people follow their dreams. There's many people, they've been running restaurants for their whole life. They just don't know how to get the capital, go do it. But that restaurant is very successful. So why can't I partner with them, give them their dreams? Cause they're already successful. It's just not their own. So really help people reach their dreams. All right, well, that's uh, exciting. And you know, I, I hope uh, some of our listeners here will connect with you so you can help some of them do that. Uh, if people do want to contact you or learn more about what you're doing, what are the best ways for them to get connected to you? Well, uh, the all, I'm on all the social medias, Vicky Scatini and VickyScatini.com. And the office phone number is 601-202-Vicky. That's 8425. All right. Well, we'll make sure to add those links to the show notes or in the comments on YouTube. So... Perfect. If you want to get in touch with Vicky, please uh, do so. Thank you for sharing your inspirational story with us today. And for everyone listening and tuning in, uh, thank you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hyperfat Show. Subscribe to us if you want to make sure you get the latest and greatest Hyperfat Shows. And remember, we love reviews. Reviews help us bring better and better guests and improve our shows. So give us the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we will see you next time.